everybody, and welcome back to the Good Fight Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7. Uh, unfortunately, don't have uh, my partner Brian here. Uh, he's enjoying some time away uh, camping and staying off the grid, uh, which I kind of envy at this point with uh, just all the craziness in the news. It's, it should be nice to, to get away. Um, but in this episode, I'm particularly excited about, actually, um, uh, we're going to be talking about, as you probably know from clicking on the title, um, Marxism and socialism, and then a little bit of uh, kind of the, the violence the, from terrorism of, of both sides of the political spectrum. Um, and the reason, or I should say the inspiration for this podcast, and this episode of the podcast, is that um, Brian came up and visited me up in uh, southern Utah and went to a couple of my classes with me. And um, there's this one particular professor that we both um, really like. Um, he uh, teaches one of my classes, and Brian was able to sit in on that. And uh, the lecture was just on this. Um, so I'm pulling some of my notes and um, the slides that he used to teach uh, this particular lecture on. Um, so that's kind of the idea behind it. It was also just a, a great time to, for Brian to come and visit. Um, he was able to go to my choir concert, and he actually helped, and, or he gave uh, my choir some, some comments. He listened to us and gave us, gave us some comments, so that was a really great time. Um, so we're go we'll get into this in just a minute or, or so. I did want to just touch briefly on the Russia situation. I'm going to spare everybody from uh, continuing to beat the dead horse of the Russia-Ukraine thing in the lightning round, I have something different. So we're all good on that front. But I did just want to mention the the crisis going on um, and just that you know, we, we need to stay in prayer uh, for the people uh, involved, uh, the soldiers involved. And um, I just want to remind everybody that we, we need to continue to pray for our president, though. Uh, he is uh, obviously a huge, huge uh, figure, and he's going to be a factor in all this. Um, so we really need to be praying for him and all the leaders that are involved with uh, making decisions on this uh, very touchy uh, situation that we have going on over there. Um, so just just keep that in mind. Uh, we need to stay in prayer and uh, and just uh, hope for the best for that. Um, so without further ado, we'll get into it. Here we go. Okay, and we're back. So we're going to begin with a little bit of Marxism. Um, I always like to start with some sort of definition uh, to kind of start the foundation and beginning the, the talk. So I, I looked up on Google, and um, to not really my surprise, quite concerning what I found. <laughs> so um, what I searched was this. I said, what is Marxism in simple terms? And this is what Google has to say. To define Marxism in simple terms, it's a political and economic theory where a society has no classes. Well, yeah, maybe that's kind of the idea behind Marxism, but the whole idea, it's already flawed from the beginning. Because Marxism, it doesn't get rid of classes. The classes will never go away in Marxism. There will be a new, different, privileged class. So, the beginning... Already, already were shaky. 
Um, and, and so <laughs> it's not a it's not a great way to start um, if you really do some critical thinking, which I guess the people who believe this works, they don't really know how to do. <laughs> so uh, there's that. Um, now Marxism, there's a difference between the theory of Marxism and then Marxism actually in practice, because anything in theory can be good because it is just a theory. A theory can be placed in an idealistic world, a perfect world. Well, I hate to break it to you, but we, we don't live in either of those worlds. And so anything that is that has to operate in an idealistic type of way is virtually impossible to implement. So we'll go through the difference of Marxism in theory and in practice. So in theory, uh, religion is the opiate of the masses. Again, unfortunate, scary, uh, right off the bat. Um, uh, first of all, taking that away from people and, and saying that's a bad thing, uh, obviously we, we don't like that, and that should be just another uh, uh, way against this, uh, this idea. Um, and again, class revolution, yes. Um, that's what the goal is. You know, they want to uh, unite uh, the workers, the, the working class. Um, and, and it's all really about class. They want to champion economic versus political rights. Uh, a worldwide reach of the revolution. I'm sure everybody has heard uh, the quote, workers of the world unite. Well, yeah, it, it is, well... It's a worldwide reach, but it's a nationalistic worldwide reach. Um, so there's kind of that balance there. So, okay, so so we've gone over, this is the theory, uh, that religion is the opiate of the masses, it's a class revolution, and a worldwide reach of this nationalistic type of movement. Okay, that's the theory. And, it, well, okay, it all sounds good. Yeah, the, the working class has been oppressed, sure, you know, you can make that argument, and... Um, and, and so forth. So, yeah, okay, fine. We can kind of go with that a little bit, believing that we're in an idealistic world. Now, moving over to Marxism in practice. That's a whole different ball game here. And now this class, uh, a little bit of background, this, this, uh, this class that I'm taking, that these notes are from, um, it, it's terrorism and homeland security. So we're, just for some background, that's kind of what we're thinking here, uh, terrorist mindsets. Now for terrorists, they're always looking for a useful uh, or unifying doctrine to unite people. And um, Marxism is a fantastic unifying doctrine to unify people who have felt oppressed, who have uh, um, kind of been in that category. You can name a whole bunch of other adjectives for that. Um, but this is in practice. So class struggle equals nationalistic aspirations. And again, I want to uh, reiterate that class revolution, okay, fine. However, classes will never go away. And there will be a new class that emerges, and that's a higher class, more privileged class, okay? And then when it's we're talking about terrorism, it's definitely more of a national focus than a global focus. Uh, 
with use of Marxism. Uh, so this is where we get more of the domestic terror from, is where is when um, they're using Marxism as a unifying doctrine uh, to get people to rally behind their ideas to force change within the political system. And the key word is to force, to force the change. Not through democratic uh, means, but, but through force, and I mean violent force. Um, and, oh man, I just wish I could go more into detail about this. I can go on and on, um, especially with this, uh, this class that I'm taking. You know, we've gone over, uh, previous to this, different groups that exist in the United States that kind of use this type of, uh, these ideas to actually go out and, and be terrorists. Um, and I don't want to get into it too much, but if we remember the summer of 2020 and the burning of the buildings and and everything, you know, that's that's one thing you can point to right there, that they kind of used some of these ideas to stir up um, uh, uh, and, and create chaos. So um, it, it's definitely out there, um, and there's a lot of people, a lot of people who really, really believe in this. And that's what we gotta we gotta understand. You have to first understand what you're going against, um, and be able to not only debunk it but provide an alternative to it. Because uh, plenty of the people out there who uh, are, you know, quote unquote Marxists probably don't even know what Marxism is. Um, they probably don't even know who Karl Marx is, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Um, so I'm going to kind of spare everybody from ranting too much. Uh, but that that's Marxism in theory and then in practice. Um, so there's, there's that. Um, so we're going to take a little break. We'll do our lightning round. Uh, come back and talk a little bit about socialism. Um and a little bit of uh, the political spectrum, terrorism from the left, the right, and in between, and then how terrorism from left and right can kind of be similar. So stick around. back with the lightning round. So, uh, again, I'm going to spare you from uh, the Russia-Ukraine uh, crisis lightning round and then uh, Brian's uh, Canadian crisis, you could call it. Uh, won't be talking about that. So, I'm going to shift the focus a little bit, um, and I want to talk a little bit about the CPAC. Uh, not necessarily what was said, uh, but uh, the, the CPAC straw poll that was taken. Uh, basically to kind of test the test the waters on uh, who we think should be the nominee for the Republican Party uh, in 2024. Uh, to really no surprise, Donald Trump won uh, 59%. He took 59% of the vote um, uh, at the CPAC. So that, that's kind of what I want to break down a little bit and talk about. And it's my personal opinion that I really... Uh, 
don't want Donald Trump to be uh, the nominee in 2024. Uh, and, and there's I have multiple reasons for that. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's it's past his time. You know, he had his time, uh, and, and we've kind of gone past that now. Um, however, that's not to say that I, you know, I would love for him to, to get behind a candidate. Because it would really show a lot uh, for the Republican Party if Donald Trump, with his known ego, was able to step back and support a nominee. I think that would be a very unifying thing. Uh, for our, the Republican Party, because there is a little bit of a split, um, and, and I would say that split in the Republican Party um, is more of the people who really, really support Donald Trump, and then really, really don't support Donald Trump. Um, I'd probably be in the middle, right there, um, of that Republican spectrum, I guess you could say. But I just really feel like if that's the case, where he doesn't run but supports somebody, That'd be a great thing to unify our party. Um, so that that's one of the reasons why I think he I don't or I, I should say I don't want him to run. And it's not only you know if he ran, and somebody ran against him, you know, depending on who that would be, I don't know if anybody's going to challenge him. I sure hope so. Um, but I, I would be inclined to to possibly vote for somebody else in the primary. Um, you know, there's a lot of names out there. I'd love to see a Ron DeSantis uh, run. I think that would be, uh, obviously, I think he's a really p uh, popular figure. I think he's done a pretty darn good job in Florida. Uh, my grandfather lives there and uh, is a big supporter of Ron. Um, and, and honestly, there, there's a good amount of up-and-coming uh, Republicans. And we, we can go on and on debating and talking about the potential nominees, but the, the main thing that I'm trying to portray is, you know, we shouldn't just write in Donald Trump as the 2024 nominee, even if he runs. We shouldn't be afraid to primary Donald Trump, meaning to vote against him in, in, in the primaries. Uh, there's absolutely no shame in that. Um, we really need to think about what's best for the future of not uh, well, yes, the future of our country, first and foremost, but the future of our party. What What is that going to look like? Um, so there's a, a lot of things to keep in mind there. Um, and um, it, it's actually going to come up quicker than we think. You know, right after the 2022 midterms, that's when 24 is going to start. That's when you'll start to see uh, people declaring that they're running. I, I would guess... Uh, you know, probably January of 23, um, possibly December of, of 22, but we'll see, we'll have to wait and see about that. Um, but it, it's sure going to be interesting, um, because our party, like our country, is fairly divided, and, um, and we need to recognize that and do what we can to unite our party, because it sure is hard to win elections when your party's divided. Uh, so we really need to pay attention to this because this could be uh, this this could hurt us really bad not only in 24 but in 22. So um, the the time is now to unify. Um, Got to do everything we can to do that. So you uh, know, anyways, that's my two cents on the topic. Um, uh, I'm obviously open to all ideas, uh, but you know we'll have to kind of wait and see. So. 
I'll go ahead and stop there, and we'll get right back into our Marxism-Socialism discussion. Alrighty, and we're back, uh, talking about socialism now. Uh, and I'm particularly excited about uh, this segment um, because this is what was most eye-opening to me, and I'm, I'm guessing it will be for you. I'm going to start off also with a couple definitions that were given in class. Uh, basically, they all mean the same thing. Um, so I'll just give bits and pieces of each definition, and we'll kind of piece it together. Uh, so socialism advocates for that the means of production and distribution be owned and regulated by the community as a whole. And now if you, do, if you don't do any critical thinking, sounds that sounds okay, right? <laughs> now, socialism in, socialism in Marxist theory is a trans, transitional social state between the overthrow of capitalism and the realization of communism. Now remember this one, we're going to get back to this. Um, that, that's really important. And then European-style democratic socialism um, basically seeks to redistribute wealth and services to subordinate groups, which really is basically the same thing as we just talked about in the first uh, definition. If, if everything is owned and regulated by the community, that's kind of what you get. Um, so there's that. Now I'm going to read you a quote, and I'm not going to do his accent, even though my professor did. Maybe I should. Uh, let me be clear. Yeah. So, that, that, anyways. Uh, Bernie Sanders. This is what Bernie Sanders said. Let me be very clear, he says. As President of the United States, I will reduce the outrageous and immoral level of inquom, income and wealth inequality by telling the wealthiest families in this country they cannot have so much wealth. End quote. Well, Bernie. Wow. Telling people that the money that they earned is no longer theirs. Wow. That's really something. So now let's do some math. Out of the billionaires, the, the world's wealthiest billionaires, altogether is worth about $13.1 Now this is the world's billionaires. Not, not America's. This is the world's. Now, the proposed federal budget right now, this year, is about $6 trillion, give or take. It'll change, I'm sure. If we take 13 trillion, which is the uh, altogether the billionaires, their wealth, divided by six trillion per year, off of their money, we can fund our American government for 2.2 years. <laughs> so taking every penny, every penny, obviously we wouldn't, but for the sake of the argument, taking every penny of all the world's billionaires, we'd be able to fund our government for just about two years. It's insane. Um, it, it, it's really, really something. So, now let's kind of go back. Let's backtrack a little bit to the, uh, the socialism and Marxist theory that we, that we said, we talked about earlier, that socialism is the transitional state 
between the overthrow of capitalism and realization of communism. Okay? So if we have that as our foundation, and we agreed that the first definition, that production and distribution should be owned and regulated by the community, is basically the same thing as European-style democratic socialism, the redistribution of wealth. Okay, if we agree on all of that, Bernie Sanders calls himself a self-proclaimed democratic socialist. So with all of these theories combined, we should be able to understand that Bernie Sanders and the likes of which, uh, the people who agree with Bernie on that far left side of the aisle, putting their policies into place. So AOC, you know, those people, the squad, putting their policies into, into place would be the eventual outcome of communism in America. Okay? Because socialism will lead to communism. Okay? And this is in Marxist theory. But it's also just pretty true. That, that that's what would happen. It's, it's a transitional state from where we are in America as a capitalist society to eventual communism if they, you know, get what they want. So that is what we're up against, okay? That's a lot of kind of information and and everything, but it kind of opens your mind a little bit. Opens your mind that taking all of the billionaires' money, all of it, we wouldn't be able to fund the government for three years. We'd run out of money. Okay, so you just can't tax billionaires. That's not going to solve anything. That's not going to solve anything monetarily. Okay, maybe we need, we ought to talk about uh, cutting some government programs, reducing government spending. Okay, maybe maybe we can do something that way, not by taxing everybody more. It's insane. And then lastly, I just want to talk a little bit about class revolution. And uh, technically, you know, that, that could happen from either side of the aisle. Uh, but when we talk about the political spectrum, it, we can bring up this idea of the classical ideological continuum. And that basically states that if you keep going, let's say, far right, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, you're going to eventually get to the far left. So you can kind of think about it not so much as like a line where you get left and right, but maybe like a sphere where if you start at one point and you keep going straight all the way around, you're going to get this to the same point as you started at. So when you go really, really far left, you achieve uh, the opposite party's policies. Now these are extremes. These are friend, like fringe right, fringe left. And that's where the ter kind of terrorism occurs, and I'm not going to get too much into that, because that's more of just my class and not really the topic of the episode. But it's just something to, uh, that, that's interesting uh, when you talk about maybe something like, uh, so far left, like communism. Because if you keep going that way, you're going to kind of get to fascism. Okay, and that's more of a far right okay, uh, idea. You think of World War II, and you 
and uh, the Nazis and the commies. Okay, that's far right versus far far left, that type of thing. Uh, the Nazis and f- those the fascists hate the commies, but they're almost the same. <laughs> um, so it, it's it's just quite interesting to to think about that. Um, but I I hope that kind of opened everybody's eyes to what we're really up against. Why our elections are so important. We, we can't have these people like Bernie, like AOC, like Tlaib, okay? These people and everybody that agrees with them and wants to push their agenda or help push their agenda, we have to push back, okay? Because time and time and time again, the world has proved to us that socialism does not work and the lead to communism absolutely does not work. And the disguise of saying democratic socialism instead of socialism is baloney. Because it's the same thing and you just they don't want you to think it is. They want you to think it's a nicer version of socialism. It's a version that's going to work. Well, that's just simply false. It's untrue. Just one of the many lies that we're being told by the left. So we need to recognize it, call it out, provide an alternative. Okay? But, but a, a big part of it is debunking, saying why this does not work. And you can just go throughout history and list the examples of why it does not work. So, I digress. A uh, lot of heavy information, but information that, it, that is very important. Um, so I'll stop there and we'll take a break and then we'll begin to wrap it up. Okay. And we're back to, to wrap things up here. Um, and, and I, I just wanted to mention uh, that the, these uh, I, I know I just said that these are heavy topics uh, but these should be topics that you're, you're afraid of, of having with, with friends or family or anything and, and rather these really need to be discussed because if they're not discussed then, then people really don't get an understanding of what they are and uh, the impacts of what some of these ideals could have in our, on our country with uh, communism and Marxism and socialism and the likes of which uh, all three make just not a great society. So I really do encourage that uh, you have these conversations. Maybe share the podcast uh, to give a little bit of, of a foundation, to a, an opening to what these ideas are, uh, what they portray, what they can lead to. Um, and then the people out there who, even in our American government system, who, uh, have some of these ideals that they'd like to implement. So we just have to, uh, educate ourselves and then try to educate others as well and kind of continue that, that, uh, thing going. Um, so I just want to remind everybody, uh, that we would love to hear from you. Um, a couple of great ways of reaching out is one, our email, 
goodfight71 at gmail.com. We've been enjoying uh, getting some feedback that way. Uh, and then our Facebook, a great way for us to reach you um, and for you to reach us. You can send us a, a private message, a comment um, on our posts, and that is also Good Fight. And then you'll be able to recognize our, uh, our, our account. We have our profile photo is the same one that's on the rss.com website where you're listening to this podcast. Um, so you can find us there as well. Um, so, and please check out our Facebook. Uh, we have some great resources there, books and websites and videos um, for you. And that would be, it would be really helpful if you could share some of those posts so that your friends and family can see that. Um, so we would really, really appreciate that. Now, right before we go, I'm going to keep up the tradition of our quote. Um, and I'm really, <laughs> I'm really happy about this quote as I was thinking of uh, which one I wanted to do. I think we did a Reagan quote. Uh, might have been last week or the week before, but you can really have you can never have too much uh, Reagan quotes, I suppose. So um, uh, this is one that I found that's really quite fitting. So here we go, Mr. Ronald Reagan. He says, "How do you tell a communist? Well, it's someone who reads Marx and Lenin. How do you tell an anti-communist? It's someone who understands Marx and Lenin." End quote. <laughs> so that was just it was just Perfect timing for that quote, so I'm, I'm very happy with the, how that turned out. <laughs> so, but, but it's so true, really. Um, and that's you know, part of the reason why I wanted to uh, do this uh, topic on Marxism and communism and socialism, to give people maybe a little bit better understanding of what it is and, and just how similar they can be and how they can be disguised and the people in our, in our government that uh, kind of portray those ideals. So... Um, uh, I'll leave it with that, and um, uh, I hope you all have a great week, and we will be back next week with a podcast. Until then, keep up the good fight, and God bless. <laughs>